Hello from Hollywood and welcome to The Greatest Show on Grass podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Newman, and I'm joined today by Tanisha Singleton. The Greatest Show on Grass explores the past, present, and future of the recently reborn Los Angeles Rams. That was Absol with D-R-U-G-S. This past week, uh, we found out that Jeff Fisher received a two-year extension to coach the Rams just before his team went down 26-10 to the New England Patriots, dropping to 4-8 and eight on the season. The one-two punch has left some fans feeling like they're down for the count. Uh, the New England game uh, left the Rams as losers of seven of their last eight games, dead last in scoring and total offense. The website 538 called the Rams an offensive tragedy. <laughs> they had 25 yards total offense in the first half, the worst this season for any team. Um, this was coming off that horrible second half against the Saints in New Orleans. Jared Goff went 14 of 32 for 161 yards, uh, a touchdown and two INTs. Um, sacked four times, blitzed on 18 of 36 passing attempts. It's hard to, um, I think it's hard to gauge uh, Goff's performance. He was under pressure 21 of those 36 times he dropped back to pass. Rams receivers had four drops, according to Pro Football Focus, six according to Coach Fisher. Uh, Tim Barnes, uh, the center, allow, uh, allowed five quarterback pressures. That's very unusual for, for an interior lineman. Actually, Greg Robinson, of all people, was the highest graded uh, uh, player on the entire Rams team. Uh, the Rams have now given up 957 total yards uh, over the last uh, two games. Um, and, and, but this isn't even the headline. Uh, for the week. The headline really was uh, the leak that uh, Jeff Fisher had received a two-year contract extension to coach the Rams in 2017 and 18. Um, there, there was a story from NFL Network's Steve Weish that came out uh, that quoted Rams chief operating officer uh, Kevin Demoff, quote, everyone will want to judge Jeff through the prism of just the record. But that's totally unfair when you look at the set of circumstances he was handed this year. It was different than any team in the NFL. We moved halfway across the country, then had OTAs in Oxnard, training camp was in Irvine. Now we're in Thousand Oaks. We move coaches and players and families to provide leadership and consistency. He's done a model job. Um, that sort of contrasted with uh, Eric Dickerson, who who continues to wonder what sort of naked pictures Fisher has. Um, that being said, um, we shouldn't abandon ship. I think mm -hmm. uh, necessarily, and and feel like the sky is falling. Bill Plaschke um, calls the two year contract a one year parting gift in appreciation for the hassles that Fisher has handled. So for me, it may be not that hard to stomach all of this. Uh, I've been rooting for the Rams for over 30 years. Um, you haven't, Tanisha. Right. Um, what's it like to 
I mean, you are a Clipper. You're wearing a Clippers yeah. sweatshirt today. So um, that makes me, you know, you do have some experience mm-hmm. rooting for a more uh, a moribund franchise. Yeah, I do. <laughs> um, but what's it like to cast your lot with the Rams as you did uh, this past January? Yeah. Uh, it is a comfortable position for me to being a Clippers fan, knowing that, all right, this is a franchise that has a history of just losing and being synonymous with losing. Um, so it is a little comfortable uh, being in that situation. And now that I've, you know, decided that, okay, I'm going to cheer for the Rams as well. I'm going to be a fan of theirs, but it's uninspiring when you get such a PR nightmare in such a short period of time to compound the losing. You compound the Eric Dickerson stuff. You compound now leaked information of there being a contract extension that apparently had already been done before the season, but it just comes out in the worst week possible uh, during the season for the Rams um, in terms of PR. What's it's, it's uninspiring. It's a little gut punching, but the only thing that we can do as fans is just kind of have hope that, the organization is going to make some decisions to build a team. You judge a general manager, an owner, a president, a head coach on building a team. You have to have trust that they're going to be doing those things and putting pieces together. That's the hope that you hang on to as a fan. But for the Rams, my question is, is there any evidence that they've done that? Is there evidence that the Rams front office has the vision and the foresight to have a grand scheme, have a plan in place in the future for possibly when they open up this new arena in two years. Is this kind of just like a placeholder where we can just wash our hands, but all right, well, the next two years are going to suck. I'm going to admit that or just accept that. And then shit's getting real when we open up the new stadium. That's certainly what it feels like. That's what it feels like. And that maybe is a, a, you can maybe build certain businesses that way, Mm -hmm. right? Just ramp up when it's really important when the new expensive PSAs and corporate sponsorships are for sale, then you really want it in uh, double down or mm-hmm. triple down on your right, team. Right, right. But, but it's a strange way to build a media brand. Very. Um, or just a brand in general. It is, because you're admitting, all right, the next two years don't count, okay? <laughs> you're just kind of making that unwritten, that unwritten agreement kind of that like, all right, this isn't... We had hunches that it was, that that was the case, mm-hmm. new events transpire. It seems like the idea was to have Fisher, um, kind of Moses-like, mm-hmm. uh, lead the Rams out of the Rust Belt, um, toil in the Coliseum for a couple of years, mm-hmm. and then have someone else, someone exactly. serious, uh, someone substantial, lead them into the Holy Land of uh, Inglewood. Um, and, you know, uh, the idea, it sort of seems like last year in St. Louis and these three years um, in the Coliseum are this kind of extended preseason Very. for the team that we shouldn't mm-hmm. take all that seriously. But um, like an extended training camp, an extended preseason, like, all right, this stuff is is this time we're going to spend these next couple of years just getting stronger, stay just young. staying young, trying to stay healthy yep. and getting some chemistry with no real aspirations of winning the division we'll be, and getting we'll be, farther. We'll be champions when we enter the when city of champions yeah. you know in the, i just think about the squandering of the brand i think about uh the chargers you know mm-hmm. this past week right. um we learned that the chargers 
who have a little over a month now to decide whether they're going to be relocating. Mm -hmm. Uh, They've been talking to the Coliseum Commission, um, and uh, sources say that if they do opt uh, to To exercise their option, they'd likely be playing in the Coliseum uh, or the StubHub Center in Carson, um, in which case they'd be playing for far fewer fans. I mean, look, Kroenke was honest with us about what it took to get back to LA. Mm -hmm. It took a real estate deal to get back to LA, not a football deal. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think they're being run a little bit, in a sense, like a real estate company, not quite like a football team team or a modern brand. Mm -hmm. Um, That being said, who knows? You know, um, no one's going to, I mean... Um, Fisher leaves, we get a new staff, you know, coming in that injects some light life and a more modern offense is installed and, uh, front office people, uh, on, um, the player development side of things are charged with making draft picks instead of coaches looking to substantiate theories that they have about how you win football games or buttress um, seemingly outdated theories about how you win in football. I mean, these things could change the team immediately. And and so maybe we should be happier than we were last week um, that with the knowledge that, you know, we're not just in an ambiguous limbo. Um, There's a plan. Fisher is got this has this exit package um right. waiting they didn't they stopped waiting for the rams to go on a winning streak to announce it <laughs> looking at the schedule it's like all right like we got the pats falcons like who's the divisional games coming Seattle, up like yeah, yeah it's like are we is there you might as well just bring it on now because when is there going to be a great time to do that i think you bring up a really great point in terms of the branding because if it's more of a business feel than an act- than a sports feel, then you lose a lot of the culture that the Rams have, a lot of the that storied history that the franchise has. When you look at those colors and when they do throwbacks, and when you look at the guys like Eric Dickerson and they're losing hope, you know what I mean, and by coming out and, and you know and saying all the things that he did about Fisher and. Um... But in a sense, the you know if in fact this is Fisher's farewell gift, then it will, in hindsight, represent a victory it of will. the old Rams versus it will. the new Rams. Absolutely. Because Dickerson, and in it, essence, would have pulled off a coup absolutely. in a weird way as representative, self-appointed uh, representative. But I think still, um, truthfully, the voice of the LA Rams fans um, operating as this kind of government in exile Mm -hmm. uh, of fans who are starting to talk about embargoing the team until he's um, gone until Fisher's gone. Mm -hmm. Um, um, Because it feels like that new era won't begin until they have a new address and a new head coach. It definitely feels like this is just that limbo like you just like you described it as where we're all just 
kind of just going to accept these next two years, take Fisher, swallow it. It'll suck. I know it does. I'm a Clippers fan, but it there is light. <laughs> you have to just hang on to the hope that there is going to be some change going on. And it took Doc Rivers. It took Don Sterling getting out of here. It took a lot. Of, it took Chris Paul trades coming over here. So there are things that will happen. Jeff Fisher is sort of the new Don, Don Sterling. Sterling. <laughs> right? The, like the, the sort of. Right. Um, where the fans rallied to find. And it took a TMZ tape. Yeah. Of a woman who like, ugh, let's not even go there, you know. Um, and it took. There was a history of racism that he has in this right. in this city, and it didn't take that. It took a TMZ tape released from his girlfriend, his side piece, you know, releasing all this racist stuff that he was saying on the phone about her and a bunch of black people going sure. to games. Sure. And finally, the PR move was to, you know what, let's just, and we had a new NBA commissioner at the time who was like, we're not going to stand for that, like as an organizational brand, the league, the NBA, and then finally got rid of them, got Doc shortly, Doc was in before that, but it was still within his first couple of years. So we had a new face and all of those things just combined gave Clippers fans new light, new hope. The Rams need something like that where we're just, all right, in limbo waiting for that, not that, it was funny that you mentioned like, okay, uh, Jeff Fisher has some pictures yeah. <laughs> on yeah, someone. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe it takes, V can get rid of, exactly. V can team up with, isn't that her name? Exactly. If V something is she, still around. She can uh, team up with Eric Dickerson and the yes. two of them can get rid of, of Jeff Fisher because up to this point, I mean, while he's incompetent, that he shares with Donald Sterling Fact. as a kind totally. of quasi autocrat of this team. He uh, he's been clear. No scandal permeates the sure. career of Jeff Fisher. By all sense of appearances, he's a really decent guy sure. with really good intentions. We've um, called him that player's coach and a progressive get... streak as well. I think yeah, um, who really cares about the league? He should be working for the league, or he should be an announcer. So what if he wins out the rest of the season? Shit. That's the nightmare scenario. The yes. nightmare scenario isn't that he got re-upped because that's just, a, it looks like mm-hmm. that's a parting gift. That's a bonus for uh, providing leadership and consistency. Mm-hmm. during. The, I, I have no idea what that means. I have no idea what it means for a head coach to oversee him. What, did he bubble wrap like the Super Bowl trophy from uh, 1999 or did, was he carrying you know players couches down like flights of stairs to the moving right. truck what exactly is so hard no one has a- ever I mean everybody has just sort of tacitly agreed that it's difficult on a head coach to move his team but could somebody once just spell it out for those of us who it's not so clear to um, what's so hard about it. Um, but yeah. apparently everybody agrees that it's really hard. But what if he does it win went out, out and go, what, this four games, like eight and eight? Uh, at this point, it would, be, yeah, it would be. Yeah, but it's, it's yeah, hard if to they, imagine them losing out. I mean, that San Francisco game. That's, I think they're going to You know, win at home, yeah. after Christmas that Eve. embarrassment. Yeah, they're um, going to want... That's going to be their Super Bowl game, which yeah. is disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> that's just disgusting, and that's the way that the season just played out. Yeah. But if they win out, that would be just uh, – I mean, you want them to win, I, it, but for uh, the Fisher perspective, like definitely like it would put a wrench in the whole socket. Yeah. 
this segment, which we call Film Study, we dissect an episode or scene from a film or TV show that prominently features Los Angeles Rams. Thankfully, there are thousands to choose from, many of which we've chronicled on our greatest show on grass, Tumblr. The next month is going to be dreary and listless as the Rams finish off another losing season on the field. But it's going to be pretty fascinating when they're being represented on television. On Friday, December 16th at 9 p.m., Showtime premieres Running for His Life, the Lawrence Phillips story about the chilling downfall of the St. Louis Rams' 1996 first-round pick who, in 2008, was sentenced to 31 years in prison and who, the day after the announcement that the Rams would return to L.A. this past January, was found dead in a California prison cell after hanging himself with a bedsheet. On a somewhat lighter note, season 15 of NBC's The Apprentice premieres on Monday, January 2nd at 8 p.m. Replacing Donald Trump, who's moved on to less entertaining roles, is Arnold Schwarzenegger, who will oversee a boardroom featuring a ton of L.A. luminaries, including Motley Crue's Vince Neil, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills' Kyle Richards, and Hall of Fame L.A. Rams running back and voice of L.A. Rams fans, Eric Dickerson. If Dickerson can oust a tenured NFL head coach like Jeff Fisher, just imagine the minced meat he'll make out of nebby comedian John Lovitz. I imagine we'll talk more about running for his life and The Apprentice on later episodes, but last week was the premiere of Hollywood and Football on the E! Network, the six-episode series chronicling the Rams' transition to life in Los Angeles through the eyes of Kenny Britt and his wife Sabrina, Roger Saffold and wife Asia, Lance Kendricks and wife Danielle, Chase Reynolds and wife Kyla, Bradley Marquez and fiance Melissa, and Corey Harkey and wife Bianca. Of course, this is not the first E-series to be set in the sports world. There's Total Divas, which follows WWE female wrestlers. There was L.A. Clippers Dance Squad, which briefly followed the lives of L.A. Clippers cheerleaders. And WAGs, wives and girlfriends of sports stars, which a couple of Rams wives actually made cameos on this past September. These are likely attempts by E! to court more male viewers, the idea being that you cross the Kardashian reality formula with the world of pro sports and you have something that men and women can watch together. Now, for those of you who enjoyed the Rams on Hard Knocks and suspect that Hollywood and football is just a dumb Kardashian-style ripoff, I can assure you it's not just a hot mess of sex feuds and lip gloss. It's really about the complex interplay of professional football culture and the culture of the family, the anxiety around potentially being cut at any moment, or having your team suddenly decide to uproot itself and leave a place that you've been calling home for years. But it's also about how that interplay distinctly plays out in Hollywood when you're an L.A. Ram. The star of Hollywood and football really is Sabrina Britt. She's the most charismatic member of the Ramily, but also its guiding light. It's apt 
that she first met Kenny when they were at Rutgers University in New Jersey because she sort of is to Hollywood and football what Snooky was to the Jersey Shore. She can be brash, but not simply for brash's sake. It always seems to come from a good place, and as a result, like Snooky, Sabrina Britt seems to be the moral heart of the series. Here, she's confronting Athadi at Roger and Asia Saffold's pool party who's chatting up her husband. I need you to put about five inches between you and my husband. You like dreads? Five inches. Give him five feet. Well, we can still talk for five feet. <laughs> but it depends on what you're talking about, because I can't talk about too much, okay? Married man, married man. But... <laughs> but Hollywood and football doesn't just give you a sense of what the Rams' lives are like off the field. It also gives you a sense, at least a new perspective, on their performance on the field. One thing I couldn't stop thinking about during the premiere episode was that Sabrina Britt is kind of the first person associated with the Rams this year who I can remember uttering the words Super Bowl, even if it was in the context of she and Kenny getting hers and his Super Bowl rings. Kenny, Roger Saffold, and Lance Kendricks dream about making the playoffs in Hollywood and football, but not the Super Bowl. And if you think back to Hard Knocks, even Rams head coach Jeff Fisher, at his most hyperbolic, only talked about being better than 10-6. and six. In Sabrina Britt, the Rams finally have someone courageous enough to point to what should be the team's North Star. Yes, it's ultimately a scene in an e-reality series, but that just might make it the sharpest rebuke to Fisher-era mediocrity that we'll encounter this season. The Rams return to the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum this Sunday as six-point underdogs to the 7-5. and five. Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons are coming off a 29-28 loss to the Kansas City Chiefs, and they're desperately in need of a win. They're 7-5 and and tied for first in the NFC South with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Matt Ryan is perhaps the NFL player that Jared Goff is most frequently compared to. Ryan has a 112.3 quarterback rating and 27 touchdown throws. Um, People have been bandying him about as a potential league MVP. Uh, Julio Jones dealing with turf toe. uh, Still had uh, seven catches for 113 yards last week. Uh, He, as of uh, recording, hasn't practiced this week. Um, he has 1,253 yards receiving uh, already this year, but he's not Ryan's only weapon. This is another talented offense, you know, for the third week in a row. We had New Orleans, the Patriots, and now Atlanta. Uh, I think a guy to look out for is Taylor Gabriel, who's in that Julian Edelman, Adam Humphreys, John Brown type role. The Falcons also have a great running back duo, Devonta Freeman and Tevin Coleman. Uh, the offense is leading the NFL in scoring, uh, 32.2 points per game. Uh, so it's the team leading the NFL in scoring, <laughs> going up against the team 
um, at the very bottom of the league in scoring. Um, Atlanta defense, not uh, in the category of a Patriots defense, 27.9 points per game, 29th in the NFL, and they're particularly thin on the defensive line. Though I will not use the phrase the week that Todd Gurley gets going. Um, <laughs> We've used that before. we got to kill that streak. <laughs> yeah. um, the teams have history. The Rams were the Falcons' first opponent in 1966. Really? Yeah, that's right. The Rams traveled to Fulton County Stadium uh, to usher in the NFL's newest team that year. Um, and they took the Falcons out in 1914. Um, and the two played in the same division. Uh, until 2001 with a loss jeff fisher will tie dan reeves for the most losingest coach in nfl history i guess my question is um what are that would be uh, you know that would be quite the headline on monday what are uh, what are headlines that you would like to see on monday coming out of this this next game against the falcons that's a great question um I'd like to see a headline that says some that speaks to the Rams just being competitive. That Gurley, I, 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 we said we weren't going to say it, but that Gurley got going. Gurley got going. That's the headline that we all want. That's the headline that we all expected was going to happen every Monday morning after a Rams game uh, throughout the rest of the season because of his breakout rookie year. Um, but you think that's more important than Goff getting going? I think I think when one starts clicking, the other one will as well. It'll definitely like follow suit. Like if Goff gets going, it's gonna open up things. And if, if things get opened up down the field like with, with Britt, then Goff will have space to get going. One feeds off the other, I think. Um so with Gurley getting going, Goff will as well. So I'll take either <laughs> at this point. And in terms of the game, I think it's Unfortunately, you know, it's same shit, different toilet, you know, in terms of the way that the offense it just gets feels stagnant and our the defense has been slacking up a little bit. We've been hurt. We've been injured. So those things uh, you can't uh, not account for. And it's in oh, the scheme sure. of things. I mean, you know how we know you know how I know that in the scheme of things, we ha- haven't had a, ho- a lot of injuries. Hmm. Because Jeff Fisher hasn't yet used injuries as an excuse. <laughs> That's because you can sure as hell <laughs> that believe he would use it. That we would be hearing all about the injuries if that was a real issue. Um, of course, he would say. No, well, he always pre- he always prefaces it to say not to make any excuses, but we've been we injured. Have. We have injuries all over the field. But here's we have second excuses. and third stringers out on the field. You know, but not that's not an excuse. A guy, you know, next man up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Um, what do you think is going to play out with the Falcons this game? You have it as an L, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, You're like, oh yeah. I think just it doesn't even. It almost doesn't matter how well prepared the team is. Um, but you know, there's more talent on on the Falcons side of the field. Um, and the Falcons have more to they have lose, more. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're motivated coming off a tough, tough loss. So I don't give. I think the Rams had more of a chance last week, actually, than than this week. Um, I'm very confident they're going to lose this game. <laughs> um, is it more or less than six points, which is I think what the uh, current spread is? I think it'll be more. Uh, I don't think necessarily a blowout. Um, 
but uh yeah hopefully some interesting celebrities on the sideline <laughs> that's what we have to look forward to like who shows up like who's here who's here who's here You're thank fine. you for listening to the greatest show on grass if you like the show please subscribe rate and then review it on itunes and recommend it to the rams fans in your lives whether they've been rooting for the team for 30 years like me or 30 days like me oh my blessing i pray for your mercy and that you alleviate my pain you that dwell in the glory of god listen to the sufferings of this your humble